Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. So today we're going to talk about uh, just something that is, is a little different for some of us, but to help you get to that part a little bit, I want to just help you think about something that's, it was interesting to me this, this past week. So uh, we started watching the Olympics. Anybody else watch the Olympics? You check those out now. Uh, we have, I feel like this is one of the only times it's appropriate to be like so like over the top about your country. Like a lot of times it's like maybe tone it down a little bit, like, but like even my girls, we have five, seven, and three uh, to help them. I, I wanted to show them the Olympics so they could see, and like by the end they're like chanting USA and America and they're jumping all over the couch. Um, but I wanted to show them as a dad, I'm like, hey, I want to show you some of this stuff. I want you to understand like the world is a lot bigger than you and a lot bigger than us. And some of these people also like as an ulterior motive, I'm like, some of these people have worked their whole lives really hard on something. You're still working to put your shirt on properly. Like they were already doing backflips when you're trying to figure out like how to crawl down to the top bunk. Like let's move it along a little bit, right? But we're watching the Olympics and we're watching the, the opening ceremonies and, and admittedly, I am not like a creative person at all. I literally have like two or three creative ideas a year. So like the arts and all that stuff, I'm like, I don't get any of that. So we're watching this opening ceremony. If you watch it, you saw they're doing all this dancing and all these symbolic things and everything. And of course, my, my girls are all like, dad, what is that for? Dad, why are they doing that? Dad, I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you want from me? I don't, like, I'm thinking the same things that you're thinking, trying to figure out. And we're going through the ceremony. It's great. And then they have this moment where they're showing how all the athletes, and you think about this again, so many of these athletes, they've been working literally their whole lives and then working to this date of like, we're gonna get into the Olympics. I'm gonna be part of the Olympic team, represent my country, which is a huge honor but they had this moment in the, the opening ceremony where they just had the symbol of like everything shut down and everyone had to stop. It made me think about the last 18 months, 20 months where for so many of us, like we kind of forgot about it, especially if you live where we're at, like we're re-engaged in almost every way. Like you, like at least for me, I kind of forgot that like our country shut down. Like I found myself even getting emotional about it, thinking about so many people, again, not just our country, but our whole world, like things just stopped. And as divisive as some of the situations were this year, as, as much as it was like you and me are on opposite sides and you agree about this or disagree, as much as we fought over things, which come on, we fought over things, right? Like as much as we fought over things, the one thing that everyone has in common, not just in the room, not just in our country, but in our whole world is, we all missed out on stuff. Like almost every, it doesn't matter what you believe, what you vote, what you, anything like that, we all missed out on stuff. For some of you, you missed out on weddings. You've been planning, some of you missed out on graduation. I think about so many uh, seniors in high school or college. I mean, you're finishing and you've worked so hard and like, yeah, everyone tried their best, but like you didn't have the graduation you thought you'd have. Or you didn't have the wedding you thought you had. Or you missed out on job opportunities because your business, your industry shut things down. For some of us, sadly, we lost loved ones and we missed out on funerals. Like it doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, what your story is like, we all missed out on stuff. And that sucks, doesn't it? 
And what happens is when we, we miss out on something that we have no control over, it's frustrating. You get angry. A lot of us too, we got angry and frustrated. But then there's other things that we miss out on that we did have control over. Right? And, and, and we've all been there. And maybe it wasn't this last year. Maybe it was 10 years ago. But it was like the person, you're like, man, I should have asked them out. I didn't ask them out. And I asked them out. And that was a big mess. Like you missed out on a situation, opportunity where you should have went for it, where you should have applied for the position, you should have applied for the scholarship, you should have tried to get into the program, whatever it is, and, and you missed out, and in the back of your mind, you go, man, that was on me. Like I had the opportunity to do something about that, and I didn't. And what happens when we miss out on things that we don't have control over, it's just frustrating, right? But when we miss out on things that we have control over, a lot of times it, it makes us feel regret. Again, where I could have done something and I didn't do something. And this is one thing I believe as you, as you look at the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of, of all the authors of scripture is God is instructing us. One of the ways I think that God is instructing us, instructing us is to live a regret-free life. Like, I don't think Jesus wants you to have regrets. I don't think Jesus wants me to have regrets. And regardless of your church background or your belief system, I really think Jesus wants you to live a regret-free life. And if you follow Jesus' teachings, he'll help you do that. Even if you think about the, the 10 commandments, and maybe, I mean, we all kind of know the generally don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't murder. Like, those are all about regret. Why? Because we've been in situations, if you've lived any, uh, any time on earth, you probably have lied or stolen and you got caught and made you regret stuff, right? Like, like don't steal, don't commit adultery. Why? Because that is going to lead to you regretting. It's going to hurt people around you. You're regretting. Some of you are like, yeah, but the murder thing, like I really do think I can murder this person and not regret it. Like, you don't work with them, Jesus. But, but this is, I think as you look at the teachings of Jesus, he is leading us and pushing us and saying, hey, I don't want you to have regrets in life. I don't want you to hurt other people. I don't want you to hurt yourself. So follow me. This is the way life works best. And Jesus summed up all of his teaching with this. He said, love God, love people. If you can love God, you love people. And like, you're gonna actually eliminate a lot of the regrets you may have in life. Just love the people around you. Love your spouse, love your kids, love your roommate, love your neighbors. Like if you can love God and then in turn love people, a lot of the regrets in life are gonna go away. And even you think about your life as you think about the regrets you have, how many of the regrets would be there if you were really focused on loving God and loving people? The thing that you said that you're like, man, I wish I never said that, like that probably wasn't a loving thing. So Jesus has all this teaching. As you look through the life of Jesus, like he's constantly pushing us to redirect our eyes to look to what matters most because he doesn't want us to miss things. And what happens a lot of times is when we focus on things that do not matter, we miss what truly matters most. And Jesus is, is going through his life and he has this one teaching with this guy where this guy runs up to Jesus. Jesus is on his way and this guy runs up to Jesus and he falls on his knees and he declares to Jesus, he says, hey, good teacher. And this is Mark's account of Jesus's life. He comes up, this guy runs up to Jesus and says, he runs up, falls on his knees and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Like Jesus, like, what do I gotta do? And Jesus, as he does so often in his life, he answers a question with a question. The guy comes up and says, what do I have to do? And Jesus doesn't even answer. He says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered him. Like no one is good except God. Like God is the only one that is good. So Jesus in this moment is kind of challenging him, pushing him a little bit like, are you kind of just like sucking up to me because I'm a popular rabbi right now and you like some of the things I was, I'm saying, I'm talking about things that like you like or like, are you really acknowledging like I'm the promised one? And this is where Jesus for, for all of us kind of puts us in an awkward situation if we refer to Jesus as a moral teacher, or a good teacher. 
I like some of the things he said. Because to put it in a way C.S. Lewis did, he said, Jesus is either a lunatic or he's Lord. Like Jesus did not leave a whole lot of room for a gray area of Jesus is just a good moral teacher. I like some of the things he said, some of the things he didn't say. Because here's the reality, if I teach something, you're like, wow, that was really good. And at the end of our time together, I said, hey guys, by the way, I'm God. Like you probably wouldn't think he's a good moral teacher. You'd think that guy's crazy. Unless I can back it up. So Jesus puts himself in a place where we can't really accept, I like some of the things, but not other things. Like you can totally accept some of his teaching, but you can't just say he's a good moral teacher. He's, he's one or the other. And Jesus is pushing this guy a little bit to say, okay, what do you think about me? Do you acknowledge who I really am? Or are you still searching? And this is the thing I love is even though this guy is still searching, even though so many of us, whether you're online or in, on site, you're still searching. Jesus is still all about that. Jesus is all about embracing you in the middle of that. So Jesus goes on to actually answer his question. He says, you know the commandments, and we just talked about this, right? He said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and your mother. The guy responds, teacher, I've done all these, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. Like, I've done everything right. Now, this guy's like the ideal candidate for everything, Actually, one of the other uh, authors of, of the scriptures were there. They're basically like Mark is writing a journal about his, his witness of Jesus' life, right? There's other followers like Matthew did this and, and, Mark, and then Luke did this and John did this. One of the other writers actually said, this guy, is, he's rich. He's a ruler. Like he has influence. And he's ideal where, where Jesus is like, okay, you've done everything right. And this guy is like, yes, I've done everything right. I haven't broken any of the laws. Like this is a guy that you would want to work for, that you want to hire, that you'd want to have your kid marry. Like you want them to be your neighbor. He is awesome. But we're going to see in a minute, Jesus is like, okay, you're doing everything right on the outside, but I think you've missed something on the inside that matters more. So Jesus goes and he looks at him and he loves him which again is, is one of the things we can't just skip over because Jesus looks at everybody with love. Jesus is not looking at anyone thinking, oh man, I just gotta fix this, I gotta change this. No, he looks at everyone as an object to be loved and someone that matters because they're created in his image. So he looks at him and he loves him and he goes on and say, you just lack one thing. You just want to go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Like, there's just this, this one thing. It's like, for how many of us? Like, that's everything. I just want them to just sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And this guy is probably thinking, Jesus, I'm already giving to the poor. I'm already following you. I'm already following the law. I'm like, I'm doing the right things I'm supposed to do. Like, you want me to sell everything? And, and Mark says that this, the man's face fell. And he goes away sad. Because he had great wealth. I think also he leaves sad because he's like, I did everything right, Jesus. Like, that's not good enough for you? And his disciples, Jesus' followers are standing around there and they are amazed at this. And he looks around at them. He says, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples are amazed at his words. Now, before you get on the kick of the rich and money, like this is not about his stuff. Just so easy 
for churches and for people to like demonize wealthy people. But I think it's really awkward when you realize if you make more than $35,000 a year, you're one of the top 1% of wage earners in the world. So we are all wealthy people in context with the whole world. But it's not about his stuff. It's about his trust. And the followers of Jesus are amazed. His disciples are amazed for two reasons. I think the two reasons. First, it was this guy had influence. Look at this guy is he's rich, and you can you can tell even in the context he's he's wearing jewelry. Like he didn't walk up and say, like, "Jesus, this is my net worth," but he was wearing his net worth. You know, he has he has gold jewelry. He probably has an entourage. Like this dude is someone special. They're going, okay, we can recognize he's a ruler. He's rich. Like Jesus, this guy has influence. Like Jesus, we've been trying to get this thing on the map for a while, and this guy could fund a lot of that. Like this guy could make T-shirts with your face on him, Jesus. And we're gonna put them all over Jerusalem and everyone's gonna know your name and we'll get some bumper stickers and we'll put those on donkeys all over the place and we're gonna have a great, like Jesus, like Jesus, do you not understand how annoying it is to constantly be going around looking for a place to sleep? This guy could just fund it. And Jesus, this guy, like he, he has influence. He is like, man, he, he's a ruler. He actually has like political friends. He could get on board with this. And Jesus, don't you need help from political leaders to move your agenda forward? Like Jesus, like, man, we could actually go and like, man, just we could push this thing and we could get a majority of the political power in Israel and we could force people to operate how you tell them to operate. We could mandate and legislate morality into the people. Jesus, isn't that what you want? It's never been what Jesus wants. Sadly, though, thousands of years later, followers of Jesus are still having a hard time understanding that. So I went to, uh, we were at this wedding a couple weeks ago. It was this convention center and hotel and it was beautiful, it was great. And there was a, a whole Christian coalition, whatever, I don't even know. But their whole thing, and I'll just tell you straight up, I don't know these people's hearts. I didn't talk to them, but their whole thing was, the focus was a road back to majority. I thought, I don't think Jesus is going to that conference. Because the influence of the movement of God is never by fighting to gain back or trying to get control. It's always influence, the influence is always through giving up control and through deciding, it doesn't matter what happens, I'm gonna follow Jesus. And I'm not gonna give up influence and a relationship for people around me for what I believe we should do as a country. Now, should believers interact, especially in our country, we have the freedom, the right, the responsibility to interact with politics? Absolutely. But we have allegiance to Jesus first. And foremost, we have to keep those things really clean. I think that the followers of Jesus, like, Jesus, like, come on. This guy has influence all over the place. This guy has affluence where he got money to fund everything. Like, Jesus, like, this guy's even done everything right. Like, he's not even about, like, those shady guys who came around asking before. Like, Jesus, this guy is the ideal candidate. And Jesus is trying to show him it's not about simply following the law. It's about following Jesus. See, this guy did everything right outwardly. But Jesus came and he said, hey, it's not just that you don't murder. Like the law says don't murder. I'm gonna tell you don't hate people. The, the law says don't commit adultery. I'm gonna tell you don't lust after someone in your heart. Like, like I'm actually elevating morality for followers of me because I want you to have life and freedom. I don't want you to miss what's most important. So then Jesus goes on and he's, he's teaching his followers and this guy goes away, he's sad and they're all shocked at what's going on. Also, culturally, they're shocked because their whole culture really believed if you had more, you had more of God's favor. 
Like, like God actually promised one of their ancestors, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna give to you, I'm gonna provide for you, like material wealth will be yours, like it's going to happen and it happened generation after generation. So these people began to believe, man, if you had more stuff, then God loved you more and you're at the front of the line to heaven. So it's completely upside down for them to go, wait, this guy had so much and he's not at the front of the line for heaven? Actually, his stuff is coming between him and eternal life? Like that doesn't make any sense, Jesus. Jesus goes on and he tells him, he says, children, he's kind of doubling down on this. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easy for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed. Again, this guy should be at the front of the line for heaven. So you're going, this doesn't make any sense at all. This is changing everything we've heard our entire lives. They're even more amazing. They look around to each other and they say, who then can be saved? Like this seems like this is impossible. And Jesus is like, exactly. Like that's the point. Jesus actually finished with this, this incredible statement that sometimes we just roll right over. He says, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Like see this guy, as good as he was, as much as you try to do something, as much as he was living a regret-free life, he was still missing something. And that's why he came to Jesus. That's what so many of us do. We, we live life, we're like, man, I think we're good. And then you wanna, like we go to church or we pray or we read a Bible verse. We're like, man, like, I just wanna check in with Jesus. Like, I don't know if that whole heaven and hell thing is real, but I wanna be for sure if it is real, like I'm on the right side of this thing when we're done. I don't know how much church is required, but like Christmas and Easter, that seems like those are big things. Like I need to go to those. Everything else I'm not sure about. And I really like the beach. So I like being there too. But Jesus' point, I say, hey, this is the point. With all of us, it's impossible. Not just for the rich. Not just for the person that you think is impossible for God to save and not for you either. I know that's even a thing that breaks my heart is when people believe that there is no option for them to be with God because of who they are or what they've done or what they believe. And Jesus saying, with you, it's impossible with God. Like I can do it. And that's why Jesus actually came down to save so then his followers are sitting there looking around trying to figure out things. And, and Peter, which Peter's great because he's like, man, I just don't, like, I don't get any of this. I'm trying to figure this out. So, so Peter just speaks up and is like, okay, so you just had him leave everything to follow you. And that, that seemed like that was going to get him to heaven. So Peter just goes, hey, so like, so we left everything, Jesus. Like, are we good? like, I think we should be, based on this thing, like, I think we should be good. So like, do I have to keep following? Do I got to figure out? And Jesus responds to Peter, I tell you the truth. No one who's left a home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Brothers and sisters and home and mothers and children in fields. And Jesus slips this in there along with persecutions. So don't get it twisted. This is not just like I'm just gonna bless everything and life's gonna be great. Can I be honest? Sometimes I wish that was the message of Jesus. Follow Jesus and your life will be problem-free because that's a whole lot easier to sell, right? That's a whole lot easier to accept even for myself. Jesus says, you're gonna get stuff, but then also you have some persecutions, but in the end, you will get eternal life. And the point what Jesus is making, again, is not about your stuff, it's about your trust. See, for this guy who came up to Jesus, he missed something massive, because he was focused and concerned with what he was holding in his hands. 
He thought the value of what he had was greater than the value of what he did not have. What Jesus is teaching through this is he's saying, if you gave up stuff, I'm gonna take care of you. Like if you give up stuff to follow me, like I have your back. And it's gonna be different than you ever dreamed or imagined. And this guy, I think you look at his life, he had everything, but he didn't have what matters most. He didn't have peace. He didn't have freedom, hope, joy. Because the things that he was holding on in life, the things that he was trusting and the things that he was focused on could not deliver that for him. And that's why he comes to Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, I just don't wanna miss it. I just wanna make sure I'm good. And this is what I think for so many of us, isn't that what we want in life? Like sure, a bigger house would be great. Newer cars would be awesome. Better kids would be way better. So trying to figure out how we can trade those in. But, but here's the reality. All those things could be great, but if you don't have what matters on the inside of hope and peace and freedom, it doesn't really matter. And the sad thing is in our lives that when we trust the wrong things, we move in that direction and we hope for those things to deliver those to us and they can't. And then we go, we missed out on what truly matters because we were so focused on trusting in this thing over here. For this guy, his life, I was, he was focused on doing all the right things, being the right guy, getting an achievement, getting notoriety. Like he was a t- typical person who's like, man, I just love getting a pat on the back and moving things forward. I'm very task oriented. I get it done. And like, y'all, that is me a hundred percent. Okay, maybe that's you too. Jesus is saying, that, that's not gonna matter. That's not gonna add up to anything. And so we have to be careful of what we're trusting in because our lives are constantly moving in the direction of what we trust the most. Maybe you never thought about it this way. You see it in, in the way you act. Of you trust something to give you freedom or life or happiness and you pursue it, whether that's a, a number of bank account. I'm gonna work hard for that achievement, a position. I'm just gonna work really hard. I'm gonna grind really hard. Whether that's graduating, whether that's a specific size of I'll be happy when I get to whatever weight, whatever size, when our house is, when we get to that, like when you trust in that, you move your life in that direction. But the problem is you can miss things that are incredibly important. And some of us have lived that. We're pursuing the bigger bank account or their promotion or the graduation or whatever. And we forget about the people that matter most. And then we get that thing. And we look around for the people we envisioned celebrating that with us and they're nowhere to be found. And this is the reality. Jesus does not want you to live a life filled with regrets. So he tells you, come follow me. Come trust in me because I will help you reprioritize your life so what matters most will actually matter most. And you can have the most of it. Because when you're chasing things and you're trying to figure out life, man, like that's not life, that's not freedom. And Jesus came to give us life to the full, to offer freedom for all. There's so many times life and freedom look very different than we think, doesn't it? Like, especially when you're, we were growing up, if you're in high school, you don't believe me right now and that's totally okay. You maybe will believe me someday. For all you, you're out of high school, you know, like I just want to have freedom. I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. Y'all remember that? 
and you have a couple of times where you do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, and you go, oh man, that was really dumb. Now, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I drank that or smoked that or skipped that. And again, life catches up with you and you go, man, now I have some regrets because I just want to have total, total freedom and independence to do whatever I want. And that is not the way you get freedom or life or hope. And just like Jesus took their teaching on wealth and flipped it on their head, its head and, and reintroduced something. He, he takes things constantly for us and reintroduces things and flips it on his head and goes, hey, if you want life and freedom, if you really want a life that's not full of regrets, if you don't want to miss what matters most, these are two things that will help you do that in massive ways that you maybe never would suspect. It's two things, it's four words. And as Jesus followers, your life should be categorized by this. It's for others and with others for others and with others. You want to experience freedom. You want to experience life. You want to experience hope and joy and peace. You live a life that is for others and with others. And this is how God will grow your trust in him. And so many of us were like, man, I want to trust. I just don't know if I can. Or I'm just trying to get there. Can I tell you that people actually said that to Jesus and Jesus Jesus responded in love and grace and acceptance. I was like, absolutely. Like, I want to believe, help me, because I don't believe in Jesus. Like, yes, you are the people I came for. So how do you grow your trust? You live a life that's for others. These are different things that God will use to grow your trust in him. Because as you grow in your trust in him, you follow him to a greater degree. As you follow him to a greater degree, you will experience more life and freedom. So for others, the way we put it around here is it's just personal service. Like you are doing something for other people. And even if you're not a Jesus follower, you just try this with anybody. This is why it feels good. Y'all go through Starbucks and you pay it forward. You buy the person's drink behind you. Like, man, I did something good today. Right? Like you go out and you serve somebody. This is why it is freeing to go and give something away that they can never repay you. But even here in the house, in the church, like we believe that the church, the gathering of believers is God's plan for the entire world to hear about Jesus. And that's why we serve here. That's why we live a life of, of giving up for the people. That's why, man, I love talking to people and getting connected and asking, hey, have we met yet? Have we, are you connected? Oh yeah, we're already connected. We're serving on this team. We're serving on that time. We're already all doing this stuff for people that they can, they literally move here from other countries. And they're like, yeah, I've been here for like six minutes. I'm already serving on the first impressions team because like that is just what we do here because that's what Jesus did. And, and for some of us, you've been following Jesus for a long time. And you're like, I don't feel like my faith is kind of stagnant. I feel kind of bored. Like maybe, maybe I need a deeper something. And like, can I tell you, like, I don't think you need to learn more. I think you need to do more. I think you need to get outside and, and meet your neighbors and show love to your neighbors. And I think you need to go in. And if you're not serving somewhere on one of our teams, if you're not serving anywhere in a community, like you need to get out. You know, again, if you don't have to serve here. So I always tell people when I was working with kids ministry, I tell them, if you don't want to work with kids ministry, don't work with kids ministry. We will find people. Jesus is faithful. We will have people that want to invest in the lives of children and change the kids' trajectory in their future. We will find those people. If it's not you, that's fine. But if you want life and freedom, you don't get a pass on living your life for others. This is one of the ways that God will work your life to good things. The second thing is with others. And the way we, we put around here is providential relationships. Now, providential sounds like, oh man, that's a big, it's a $5 word, man. Like that's a big, like, like, here's just the thing. Accidental just sounds more negative, but basically like accidental relationships. 
like people that you gather around, you go, man, I didn't know how meaningful this person would be. That's like, for some of us, we'd meet our spouse and we'd say, man, I knew from the moment I saw them, I was gonna marry them. But for most of us, that's not the truth. For most of us, it's a series of relationships and interactions. You go, man, I figured that out. Or or your best friend, you didn't sit down with them in second grade and go, hey, we're gonna be lifelong friends. But you just, throughout your life, you begin to build that and it actually happens. And this is what you need. You need relationships with people. You need people around you that can support you and that you can support because it could be the difference in your entire life. Something most of us missed over the last couple of years, we just missed community. I remember how weird it was when you didn't get to go to work anymore. You stayed home all the time and you didn't have any interaction with anybody. You're like, this is really where I really miss this. Now, if I would have told you two years ago that we have a global pandemic that's literally going to shut down the world, you would not have believed me because we never really had that before. And I told you, you got to get in community because we're going to have this thing and it's going to all, like, you'd be like, dude, that sounds crazy. That's like a sci-fi movie because you've never seen that. So you don't really think you need that. But here's the reality. If I told you in the next six months, your marriage is going to go through an incredible crisis when you're going to be looking for apartments because somebody needs to move out because this is just not working anymore. If I told you over the next six months, you're going to have a horrible diagnosis where they're going to find something, a regular scan, and they're, uh, we didn't even expect it. Like it just happened. If I told you, man, six, in the next six months, you're going to go through a crisis with your kid. Nothing could prepare you for you're trying to figure out things. If I told you in the next six months, you're gonna be checking a loved one into rehab because the thing they thought they had control over, the thing you thought was fine, actually came up like, this is a big thing. We gotta figure this out. If I told you in the next six months that you're gonna figure out again that you're not pregnant when you wanna have a baby so bad or you lost the baby. All those things have happened to my friends in the last six months. I could bring them up here and talk to you and you know people that all that sort of stuff has happened in the last six months. And this is why you need providential relationships. This is why you need people around you because we have no idea what's gonna happen in six months. That's why you gotta get into a group. And we have groups for all kinds of people at Centerpoint because we believe when you gather together with some people, you build some community, man, things can change. And just like all those horrible things could happen over the next six months, in the next six months, man, your marriage could be restored. Because I got friends that we talk and it's like, man, marriage is bad. This is really hard. I don't even know if I want to be with them anymore. And in six months time, man, this may not be your story, but this is their story. In six months ago, man, we're really good. Like we're actually best friends now. Like this is incredible. Like, like in six months, ago, man, like I thought things were all going to break apart, but because I got with a group of people, they helped me keep it together. Don't miss what matters most because you're unwilling to give up what you have. It's not about your stuff, it's about your trust. Just just the reality is you are not strong enough to handle life alone. That's why we have each other. That's why we gotta get around with each other. Again, you want life and freedom, you want joy, you want hope, you want peace. Let me just put it this way. If you want those things for you, that's great. But all of us, all of us parents, we want those things for our kids. 
And this is why I would say, hey, get into velocity. Well, they don't want to go. That's okay. I don't want to go to church every time and I'm a pastor. Get your kids in a kids ministry. Bring them there. Show them. Because again, that could be the difference maker when they go, oh my goodness, my mom is going to kill me. I cannot talk to my mom. You want a loving adult in their life to go, hey, I'll go with you talk to your mom. I'm going to go with you. When your kid's having struggles and difficulties, you want a loving adult there for them and with them. But also for so many of us, you are that loving adult. You need to get out and live a life that's for others and a life that's with others. Because as long as you keep trusting in yourself and keep doing things on your own, I don't think you're really gonna have what you really want in life. Just like this guy in the story. And he's seeking after notoriety. I think again, he's a leader, he's a ruler, he's doing all this stuff. Like he's looking for status and he's looking for a pat on the back and comes to Jesus like, Jesus, tell me I'm good. And Jesus is like, man, you've done everything right outwardly, but internally you're trusting yourself and that's not right. Like, here's the thing, he wanted all these things. He wanted to be known. And the only thing we know about this guy is that he was a ruler, that he was rich, that he walked away sad because he held on to what he thought would bring value and what he valued most. But just like Peter said, they gave up everything. And, and this is the thing that's, that's crazy. These poor fishermen who had nothing and knew nothing, and we know all their names. We know all their stories and it's because they gave their life up. And I think even with this guy, he comes and talks to Jesus. I think of how many times he had situations in life where he just wondered about it, you know? he's like looking back, I go, man, I remember I talked to Jesus and he's, man, he's throwing this big party and there's all these people there and all his friends are there and they're having a great time. They're eating and drinking and dancing and all things. And he's thinking, man, like this is, this is fun. But like, I just, Jesus told me to sell everything and I'd actually have what I really want. I don't know if that's the case. And he's going to the temple. He's giving the, the money. He's like, man, I'm giving above and beyond. Like, is this enough? And I give enough. And I give enough. Jesus said, give away everything. I can't give away everything, but I give away what I can. Like, like is this enough? And constantly I'm wondering, looking back on his interaction with Jesus, wondering, man, it, what if I would have followed? I think at some point he even heard about Jesus. Remember that Jesus, that rabbi, that's not teaching, Jesus of Nazareth, that guy. Yeah, yeah the Romans killed him. You go, oh, I guess I don't have to wonder anymore. It's a good thing I didn't sell everything, give it to the poor and follow him because like that whole thing's done. And a couple of days go by and a couple of weeks go by and he hears these rumors like, actually, Jesus is alive. Actually, they saw him. These people touched him. These people have been with him. Actually, like he's shown up and his followers that all left and scattered and, and ran away. Those guys that we didn't even know who they were. Now they're standing up in public areas and declaring that Jesus is God. And all these people are following Jesus. It's amazing. Like this thing, this whole city's being flipped upside down on its head. Like it is spectacular what's happening. He's in the back of his mind wondering, can I still follow right now? So I'd say this beautiful about Jesus. He is always willing for people to take a step towards him. There is never anything you've done that makes you too far where Jesus is like, oh, I'm just done with you. And you have this window of time. And after that, actually, man, you had until a Tuesday and it's Wednesday and you're out. Jesus is always saying, come. I think this, this rich young ruler, this guy, he looked back at his life wondering about stuff. But I think you flip it around, you look at the disciples. They looked back at their life with wonder and said, man, can you believe all the stuff we got to do? 
Can you believe all the people that we got to accept? And even in the face of death, still looking going, man, it is spectacular. I get to go be with Jesus. And I get so many of this, these stories, they seem unbelievable. And you're like, man, I just don't even know about it. And, like, and even for some of this stuff, you're like, man, I feel like I need to get in this. Like you're talking about serving people or being with people and being in community. Like, I don't even know where to start. Like, is it really true? Is it really gonna happen? Well, I, want, I want to direct all you to, man, if you've not gone to next steps, you need to go to next steps. Like we do this every month. We do online, we do on-site. This, this month we're actually doing a special with Bryant in a couple of weeks. Like you need to get in the next steps because that's a space where you to be able to hear about our church, but also learn how you can get connected and you can get plugged in and live a life that is for others and with others and really experience the life and the freedom Jesus has for you. Even if you don't believe in Jesus yet, even if you never believe in Jesus, I think your life will be better if you live for others and with others. And I don't want you to miss the life that God has for you. All over the house, would you stand? We can, we're gonna pray. And I just wanna acknowledge again, for some of you, before we pray, like, man, you're like, I, I'm wrestling with Jesus. I'm trying to figure out trusting. You're talking about trusting Jesus. I don't know if I can. I'm, I'm, here's what I'd say. Just keep coming back. Investigate the life of Jesus. We always point people to the resurrection because if the resurrection actually happened, that kind of validates everything Jesus said. So for some of you, you're like, I'm, I'm trying to trust Jesus on everything from Genesis to Revelation. Man, it's all confused. I'm trying to, that's what I'd say. Do I believe the scriptures are true? Absolutely, because Jesus believed they are true. Do I think it happened the way Jesus said? Absolutely, I believe what Jesus said. But the resurrection, can you take a step towards Jesus? Because your trust in him can grow and will grow as you interact with him and you live a life that's for others and with others. And we would love to celebrate with you trusting Jesus. That's what we're all about in our gathering. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. God, for being for us. God, for giving us clarity on how to live a life God, that, that leads to life and freedom in you. God, I pray that we would not miss it. That we would really focus on what matters most and that we would trust in you. I think, think about people in the room. God, there's so many things that we can trust in. We trust in our finances and we trust in our status and God, we trust in, in our accomplishments. And God, those things are all good, but God, we don't wanna trust in those things. We wanna look to you. We wanna trust in you. And God, for people in the house, people online, try to figure out if they can trust in you. I pray that you would continue to work in their lives. God, to draw them closer to you kind of just show them through your character, through your goodness, that they can trust you and God, their lives would be incredibly different. God, we thank you so much for all you're doing. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.